Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. We're going to talk about Jesus and conspiracy theories. We're going to talk about how to protect ourselves against conspiracy theories that aren't true. And we're going to be consistent and we're going to apply those same things to our own faith, what we believe, and see if if Christianity is the greatest protected lie of all time, and is it the greatest conspiracy of all time. But before we go there, we need to say hi to everyone who's joining us virtually. So those are our people, online community, and the different uh, campuses that, that tune in. That's Bronx Park, Niverville, North End, and the folks out in Morris. Let's give them a round of applause. We can't see you. But we know that you're with us in spirit, and blessed is those who believe and yet do not see. Amen? (laughs) Amen. So it's true. We're talking about Jesus and conspiracy theories, and this is for you if you're into conspiracy theories, or if you have a family member that loves conspiracy theories. I know it's really easy to see these things as silly theories, things that we shouldn't think about or give any credence to. But the unfortunate thing about some conspiracy theories is... Some of them turn out to be true. Do you remember our society once thought that smoking a pack of cigarettes a day was healthy for you? Right? We had the studies to prove it. The doc, nine doctors out of ten said it was great. Do you also do, remember the time in uh, our history where we believed that, uh, that the U.S. government had something more important to do than to spy on literally everyone in the globe? You remember those, those days? Do you also remember when we believe, well, the experts believe that COVID started when a pangolin kissed a turtle? It's so so, uh, sweet when you think about it that way. It turns out that some conspiracy theories turn out to be true. So when I was growing up, uh, I believed in a conspiracy theory, a narrative that was pushed upon me by the media, TV, even Hollywood, and some of my own family members. I grew up believing in Santa Claus. How many of you guys here grew up believing in Santa Claus? Okay, great. Some of us still do. I remember growing up believing in Santa Claus, and this was a wonderful thing to believe in, correct? It was gripping. It was compelling. It was fantastic. It had verifiable proof. It had empirical proof. What more proof than you needed than mom telling you that he's real and the presence under the tree? Wow, incredible. Then I got a little bit older, maybe a little too old. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, how could this happen? It seems like a big security risk for me. And I heard certain conspiracy theories that Santa Claus may not be real. And and I was having a a crisis of faith in in Santa. So I decided I need to go to the source. I need to go to to the truth. Who's that? Well, that's mom. Mom is the source of all things true. And I decided, you know what? I have a plan. I'm going to go to her. I'm going to grill her on the existence of Santa. And if she keeps her story straight, then all is well. So, there we were in the morning. I was eating cereal. My mom was doing something in the kitchen, and I decided to, to confront her. I go, Mom, I know Santa isn't real. And she goes, hmm, what was that, sweetheart? I was like, Mom, I know Santa Claus isn't real. And she's like, oh, honey, of course he's real. Why would you say that? She starts doing So I go, okay. Mom, I know Santa Claus isn't real. I'm old enough. Come on, you can tell me. She goes silent. 
Okay, so I got to tell you something. My childhood is in the balance here. Okay, I need my mom to keep things together. I can sense there's already a crack in the dam, but I decide to push forward and I say to her, Mom, I know Santa Claus isn't real and you and Dad have been lying to us the whole time. Then she stops. She looks over at me, deadpan face, and she's, she says this, and if you love your children, you'll lie to them too. <laughs> I was devastated. I was devastated. And most people figure this out like later on in life. I was, I was way too old. I was like 34 when I figured this out. It's was, it was horrible. Uh, maybe I was more like 10. The next day, I became an atheist. And you might think I'm joking on that, but I wasn't. I, I quickly thought, hey, if Santa Claus is just a just well-protected lie for children, how could Christian claims about God be the same thing? Is Christianity just a nice thing that Christians believe? Is it, is it the grown-up Santa Claus? It's really easy to believe in a God who's taking care of you during this earth, and maybe when you leave earth, he's going to take care of you some more. So I became an atheist. Someone once said this, that, The truth is so valuable that it's protected by bodyguards. The truth is so valuable it's protected by lies so that it'll steer you in the other direction. And go no further than the internet, right? The the pretty much the the breeding grounds of all the misinformation and the conspiracy theories that we see today. And we get sucked down this these into these algorithms. And I, I gotta tell you, I'm completely guilty of this. Every summer there's some sort of UFO revelation in the conspiracy world, and this year was no different, and this summer was no different. It turns out an ex-CIA agent saw that there's a retrieval program for alien craft, and that they have something called biologics, which is just a fancy word for aliens, and he testified to Congress, and the whole internet is going crazy, because they're thinking, oh, aliens must be real, and then the other half of the internet is going, no, it's just a, it's just a ploy to, to distract you from something else. Happens all the time. I get sucked into those things. I watch those things like five times just to see if I can find a, new, a little difference, nuance in some of the information. And, this compl- and if you do this, it completely rewires our brain, doesn't it? Because we don't just watch the video. We talk to people about it. Did you hear? What is, on Wednesday, what happened in the government? In Congress? We start talking about it. Then we start, then we start thinking about it. We start meditating about it. What would it mean if aliens are real? I guess i got to go buy all the toilet paper at Costco. <laughs> I, and I know that seems a little far-fetched to you, but trust me, the last time it happened, it was just as far-fetched. Right? So, does God want us to have this sort of thought life? Is this how God wants us to think about all the new information that is coming our way? I don't think so. I think we need to look in the Bible to help us navigate to protect ourselves from some of the information that comes our way so we don't get duped into believing something that will hurt us. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you can go to Romans 12, uh, Romans, yeah, chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse Verse 2, it'll be on screen for you as well if you didn't bring it. But we're going to read together here from Romans 12, verse 2. It says this, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Some translations say, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says this as well, Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. Don't you want to know God's will for your life? 
And it begs the question, when we get pulled into these, these algorithms of looking at conspiracy theories, or we know someone who does, we need to be honest, how much time do we spend going down the rabbit hole than we do spending at the fountain of living, living waters with Jesus? How, how many of us are transformed by the reviewing of the conspiracy theory than our minds being renewed by God's word? Right? So, and I get it. Conspiracies theories are, are powerful, and it makes sometimes our complex world seem a little more simple. But we have to admit that there are some truths out there that aren't true, and they don't, they don't, they don't help us. They harm us. So let's talk about this. How do we protect ourselves from conspiracy theories that aren't good for us? Well, first thing we need to know is how to posture ourselves. When we, when we see new information, how do we posture that information? We need to be aware of our weaknesses. All of us have biases. All of us have glitches in our way of taking in new information. So we have to be aware of it. And let me introduce you to one of these glitches. Psychology calls it the Dunning-Kruger effect. And let me explain what it means. It means that you and I, we might watch a video on Facebook. We might watch a video on YouTube. We might, watch, we might listen to a podcast. We might read a book on something. And we automatically say, oh, we're the experts now. You know, we know more than most people. We've, we've watched that video. We've read that book. We've watched the, the documentary. So I know all there is to know about the situation, and I know it's true. That's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Have, did you notice? When COVID happened, everyone beca- began to be experts in mi- microbiology overnight. Right? They knew everything there was to know about face masks and vaccines. Overnight. And then did you notice? When the Russia-Ukrainian war started... Everyone became experts in geopolitics overnight, right? And the people that were experts in microbiology also happened to be the people who were experts in geopolitics. It's incredible. Like the, I didn't realize I was such surrounded by important academic minds that are here to tell me how to in, incorp, interpret my world. But this is the very effect of the Dunning-Kruger effect. And let's go back to what it says in Romans. We'll read it again real quickly and jump down to a verse that's going to give us some insight. It says, don't copy the behaviors of this world, but let God transform you, by, transform, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You remember, the world is trying to change you into a new person by changing the way you think. But God wants to do the same thing in, the, in a good way. But let's skip down to verse 16. And it says this. Live in... Harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Whoops. Who who do you think wants you to to live divided with your brothers and sisters in Christ? God or the devil? Who do you think wants to have a a string of broken relationships with your family? God or the devil? Who Who do you think wants you to think that you know it all and everything you know is exactly how it is? God or the devil? devil. It has a demonic presence. But how do we combat this? We live in harmony with each other and we act like we don't know it all. Don't think you know it all. And this doesn't mean you don't stand up when you see injustice. Right? You have to stand up for things that you feel are wrong. And, but what this means is you carry a spirit of unity no matter where you go and you're open to be wrong all the time. But you know what? I'm never wrong. Except for me. Right? I thought I was wrong once but turned out I was mistaken. It's like when I keep on telling my wife, I say to my wife, you know, I'm not going to go to the chiropractor. It's just a waste of time. He's not going to fix the bend in my back. 
but now I stand corrected. <laughs> I got another bad one for you, too. So I was walking with my wife in a, in a quarry, you know, those places where they mine uh, gravel. And I was walking, and, and I said to my wife, honey, look, that sure is a big rock. And she said, boulder. Honey, look, that sure is a big rock. Okay, it's a ba- it was a bad joke, but they say you just got to swing for the fences sometimes, right? Don't act like you know it all. You guys get it. Let's look at this graph of the Dunning-Kruger effect here on your screen. Let me explain it to you real quick. The higher you go on this graph, the more confidence you have in the knowledge that you know. So you might know a few things, you know, you almost know nothing. You may, you may watch that one video, but you have high confidence that it's correct, this is what the experts called the peak of Mount Stupid. Okay? But notice what happens later on. The more you actually know, the more you become a guru, the more you go down this journey, you'll find that, that your confidence in what you know plummets. And, and we have something at the other side of here, almost at the other side, called imposter syndrome. It's when people get good at the topics that they're studying, but they know the things that they don't know. They realize there's more to it than what they have. They may even have written the book that you've read, but they still feel like a fraud. They still feel like an imposter. And so you and I have this journey to learn more about the topics that we encounter so that we come to a place where we're open. Maybe we don't have the most amount of confidence, and and if we don't have a ton of confidence, well, that's good for us because we probably know more than we think we know. And we have something better than those of us at Mount Stupid. We have humility, right? So let's continue here. So that is the the Dunning-Kruger effect. And that was discovered in 1999. But you know what? This is what the Bible said over 3,000 years ago. It says this. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. You see, the Bible already knew about this. The Bible already knew that lots of us are on the top of Mount Stupid, and we need to continue. And what this means is when we're looking at conspiracy theories, you don't have to make up your mind if aliens are real or not, because we need more evidence. You don't have to make up your mind if the earth is flat, because we need more evidence. It's okay to not arrive. And so, that is the Dunning-Kruger effect, to have humility when we approach new information, to not worrying about arriving at some conclusion right away, and to keep our eyes and our ears open to anything that comes next. So that's, that's the first tool, is posturing ourselves. Here's the second tool. It's called the rule of falsifiability. The rule of falsifiability. Oh, so I have a question. How, what happens if you and I are already fooled? Maybe Christianity has already fooled us to, to believe in it. How do we know that it's wrong? How, how could we find our way out of a conspiracy theory if we're already convinced? This is what Mark Twain said. He says it's easier to fool someone than it is to convince them that they've been fooled. What do we do? Well, I'm going to give you a bit of a role-playing exercise here that maybe you can see uh, just the frustration, frustrating part of conspiracy theories. So here we go. So my name is Matthew. I'm a researcher. I'm a scientist. I'm an experimenter. I am uh, very credible. I'm an expert in a field, in a conspiracy theory called birds aren't real. And let me tell you what this theory is all about. You see, sometime in the 19th century, 
the government, the U.S. government, uh, along with all other governments in the world, has decided to do this incredible thing, completely kill all the birds in the entire world and have replaced them with super advanced technology surveillance drones. Okay? Spying on everyone. You thought it was Big Brother, it's really Big Pigeon. Okay? <laughs> and so before you scoff, just remember, I'm the expert here. I'm the person who's done the, the research. I'm the person who knows this. I'm a featherologist. I've converted people to my cause. I'm an aviangelist. I know what I'm talking about. And let me see if I can convert you today. Have you noticed that when birds land on power lines, they don't explode? Isn't that crazy? Well, that's obviously because they're machines. And when they land on the power lines, they're just recharging. (laughs) Prove me wrong. Here's the other thing, too. Do you notice that they're... Birds are always high up in the air, right? They're they're on top of poles and roofs and stuff like that. What other things are high? Oh, yes, satellites, cell phone towers, right? They're obviously connecting with the satellites in space. And did you know, 87% of bird droppings land on cars. (laughs) You might think that's just a coincidence. Well, of course it's not. Birds aren't real. They're tracking you with a liquidated tracking device on your car. I know what you're thinking. I had chicken yesterday. What was that? Maybe you had someone who uh, was hunting and shot a goose down and ate that goose. It's it's simply too easy, folks. You realize with the advancement of fast food industries, they've created synthetic materials. So the government knew they couldn't roll out this program until they had synthetic materials. So everything that you see in birds is all synthetic. Do you really think you're eating chicken when you eat that chicken McNugget? Please. How many of you guys are frustrated with me right now? <laughs> Why are you talking about birds on God's good stage here? Well, it's to show you something. That we encounter conspiracy theories that what philosophers or scientists might call self-contained. They're unfalsifiable. There's no way to disprove them. Just like you couldn't disprove the existence of an invisible pink unicorn. It just can't be possible. And so what the rule of falsifiability does for us is we say, okay, how could we prove this conspiracy wrong? And if there's any way that we could, then we could continue to learn more about it. A lot of you know, flat earth researchers, what they have pages and pages of science and articles on why they, they know that the earth is flat, but yet they don't have this rule of falsifiability within them. And so we have to ask this question. The ultimate question is Christianity, is it, can it be falsified? Are you and me on top of that Mount Stupid right now, not just only learning, a certain, only learning what we can learn on Sunday, but not doing our own investigation? Well, I've heard from a lot of different Christians when I say, oh, how do you trust the Bible? How do you know the Bible is real? Well, how do you know? They'll say, oh, well, because God made it. Well, how do you know God made it? Well, because it says so in the Bible. Huh? It's a circular reasoning, and round and round we go. And so, maybe you think you've encountered some more research, and you realize, wait a minute, I believe in something called the Da Vinci Code. Have you guys ever heard of the Da Vinci Code before? It's this idea that Jesus wasn't a virgin, he had a family. And what the Catholic Church did was hide his bloodline in order to retain power. Ooh, that's a good one. So, is it possible 
that we believe in something that cannot be falsified. Well, let's look in 1 Corinthians 15, if you have your Bibles again with you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. We're going to see what Paul says about this. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. If we go down to verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Did you catch this? If Christianity isn't true, then we're the the ones to be pitied the most. And did you catch that? Did you catch the, the rule of falsifiability in there? That if you can find out if Jesus raised from the dead or not, then you can close the door on this, on this church and every church in the whole entire world. And don't you want to know if, if Christianity is true? Don't you want to know? And so, yes, we see that the rule of falsifiability is there. And also, you could probably rule that... Uh, Christianity is false if you could look at the Bible and show that it it is not credible. And so let me show you uh, something here. Don't you, let's go back to this idea that don't you want to know if Christianity is true or not? Like Christianity asks you to do a lot of hard things. Asks you to give generously with your time and your energy, your money. I don't want to do that. Do you? It also tells you that there's only one way to express yourself sexually. Lots of people don't like that. That's a hard thing to do. It also tells you that you, can't, you shouldn't be gossiping about people. That's hard. Probably the worst one of all, that tells you to love your enemies. Pray for them. Ah, I'd rather crush my enemies. How about you? Right? I don't want to pray for them. You'd get a lot more sleep on a Sunday, folks, if you didn't believe in Christianity. But is it true? And so, has it been done before? Has someone disproven? Has someone gone through it? Well, let me tell you this story of James. If you look up on your screen, there's a guy named James who was a cold case homicide detective. James grew up in Los Angeles County and never encountered a Christian who can compellingly articulate the reasons why they believed in Jesus. His dad also was a homicide detective and also a atheist. They had no reason to believe in Christ. They were completely outside of the whole Christian bubble. Until one day, James got married and had some kids. And they realized it was hard to, re- to create values for the little kids. So Susie said, why don't we go to church? We'll go to church and maybe the, they'll, they'll instill some good values. And, you know, James was uh, an okay guy. He's like, sure, we'll, we'll go there. And as he's sitting down like you are now, the preacher was saying some really audacious things. He was saying, you know, Jesus is the smartest person of all time. And that the entire Western civilization can be built on his principles. And that's why it's so successful. And James looks at him and he's thinking, this, is, this can't be true. This guy's obviously lying. So I, what I'm going to do, what James said he's going to do, he's going to use his detective abilities to prove that Christianity was wrong. And so he starts looking at the eyewitness testimonies in the Gospels. And he soon found himself discovering that proving Christianity with this kind of method was going to be very hard because... It was doing the opposite. No matter how hard he tried, it wasn't working. 
The, the testimonials in the Gospels were all corroborating with each other. He looked at the New Testament manuscripts and realized that there's an abundance of New Testament manuscripts more so than any other document in, in antiquity. And he also realized that the evidence, historical evidence for Jesus being a historical person was overwhelming. Until he finally came to this conclusion, he didn't have an experience with Jesus, but he looked at the evidence and found out that Jesus was who he said he was. And he did what he said he did. Now, this guy is James Warner Wallace, the author of Cold Case Christianity, Forensic Faith, Person of Interest. It's just incredible to know that the experts go where we haven't gone and find that Christianity is credible. Isn't it incredible to know that you don't have to have blind faith to believe in Jesus? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that you and I, instead of going here for truth, why don't we go here? Some, some, you know, this has been around for a really long time. It's been tested. It's been true. It's a solid foundation. Instead of going to our cell phones, why don't we just go to our Bibles and see what Jesus has to say about the truth. And so maybe you're here and you're curious about some of the, the facts in archaeology. And as we close today, I want to give you a few things that virtually all scholars believe happened in, uh, in, uh, in the time of Jesus and the reason why so many scholars believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And it's, if you want more information on this, there's a site called crossexamine.org that this is from. So let me explain it to you now. It spells out the acrostic alive. Alive. We'll go through it together here. A is for the testimony that Jesus appeared to people. He wasn't a spirit He was a real person with a real body that appeared not just to the disciples, but a whole group of of people. He appeared to a multitude of people. It wasn't for a select few. L. L is for the low status of women. And we're not saying that the status of women today are low. We're saying that at the time, the status of women was low. And to start a religion based on women's testimonies would be something that maybe wouldn't happen. would be a, a bit embarrassing. But who did Jesus appear to first? Men or the women? The women. Jesus appeared to the women first. And you know what? The disciples had no problem with that. Why? Because it was true. L is for the low status of women. I is for the immediate preaching that the the apostles said when they said that Jesus arose. You know, there's a lot of people out there who say, oh, the gospels were created years and years afterwards. But we have letters pretty much right to the date that Jesus, the the disciples of Jesus said that he rose from the grave. It was an immediate preaching that Jesus rose from the dead. V is for the voluntary suffering and martyrdom by virtually all the apostles. Pretty much all the apostles died for their faith. And you might be thinking, why is that a big deal? Lots of people die for what they believe all the time. Here's the major difference. That the apostles would have died for what they knew was a lie. How many people die for what they know is a lie? There's no benefit to that. They died for what they knew was true and that Jesus resurrected from from death. And finally, E is for the empty tomb. You know, uh, Christianity started off as a conspiracy theory. The official narrative was uh, on CNN was the disciples paid off the, the guards And took the body. They stole the body. But they continued to look for the body. The authorities looked for the body but couldn't find it. Why? Because Jesus is alive. And he's still alive. 
When you and I are looking for truth on the internet, I I don't know if we should do that. Maybe we should look here. And if you want to know the truth, how about we go to the truth, the way, the life. And truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. Truth is a person, and that is Jesus. You know, I don't care if aliens are real or not. I don't care if the cabal is real or not. I don't care if the earth is flat or not. I don't care if birds are real or not. But I do care if my Jesus is real. And we know that there's solid foundation in him. There's a song by Cody Carnes and it says this. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock in which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad. That I put my faith in Jesus. Because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. Let's stand together. Now, if you could do me a favor, if you can close your eyes and bow your heads for just one moment, we want to give everyone an opportunity to start following Jesus. And maybe I haven't said what the gospel is, but I want to present it to you here real quickly. And the gospel is simply this, that you and I are way more messed up than we think we are but we're loved deeper than we could ever imagine. We're loved deeper than we can imagine, despite how messed up we are. And before you decide to get offended about that claim, just hear me out. It's actually beautiful. How often do you and me strive for our value? How often do do we decide what our self-esteem is based on, on the things that we do? But with Jesus, it's not like that. Jesus says, doesn't matter what you've done, I've already given you your value. Your value is already there. Let me take you on this journey of belief so you can become everything that you were meant to be. That's the gospel. And he comes with you through the the Holy Spirit, empowers you to spread the kingdom of God. And all that takes is humility, repentance to say, you know what, I, I, I need to change the way that I do things. I need a higher power and that higher power is Jesus. And if that's you today and it's resonating in your heart and you want to start following Jesus, I want to give you this opportunity right now. And all you have to do is raise your hand and as soon as I see it, you can put it down again. So is anyone here in this building that would like to start following Jesus today? You just raise your hand. Yeah, I see that hand on the side. Thank you. See that hand in the back. Thank you. See that hand on the far side as well. Yeah, thank you. You can put it down. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to get you to say anything publicly. If that's you today, just raise your hand for me. Okay. So a few hands went up, and uh, I'm so pumped. You know, there's a, there's a party in heaven right now because you've repented. But uh, like I said, I wasn't going to single anyone out. So if you could please, church, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess I've been a sinner. Walking in my own way, doing my own thing. But that changes today. Because I know how much I need you. I've come to the end of myself. I know that you are my firm foundation. You will never let me down. I repent of my sins. Everything that I've done to separate myself from you. Holy Spirit, would you lead me and guide me? 
into abundant life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app. 